When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are the markets breaking? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Rao Pal is here with us. It's been one hell of a day, Rao. So we're really happy to have you with us this Friday. It has been quite the day. It's been brewing for quite a while, and now it's quite the day. Yeah, it is. And I, I think it's important to say we try really hard not to be alarmist here, but it felt like that was the right question to ask today. I saw a huge amount of concern from usually pretty level-headed people coming through on Twitter, you know, it was coming through in some of our editorial meetings. I saw your Twitter feed today. So, you know, just give us an idea of what you're thinking. What are you watching? What is your level of concern? Okay, so what I'm worried about is what is currently breaking. And, you know, people say what's going to break, what's going to break. My view is that, in a massively indebted world, to put this in perspective, the US is some 300 and something percent of GDP in debt as total debts to GDP. It is 100% of world GDP in debt. It's the most indebted any nation has ever been. And everybody borrows dollars. And we're in a system where they're trying to act like Paul Volcker because basically the Fed is run by a bunch of baby boomers and they want to get a, a book out um, where they're on the front cover like Paul Volcker to be the heroes. But I think what they're doing is fighting the ghosts of the past. The ghosts of the past, the 1970s, was wildly different. We've talked about this in Daily Briefing before. The demographic setup is different. Also, the debt is different. I mean, the US is like 100% GDP in debt, total debts at that point. We're now at least another 150%, maybe 200% of GDP in debt on top. So with an aging demographic and high debts, it's very difficult to generate inflation. But the Fed are now convinced they need to be Paul Volcker, and they are going to go and raise rates further than the market can deal with. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it everywhere that the market's going, we cannot deal with rates like this and the liquidity that's happened. So liquidity has been drawn out by quantitative tightening. What they've done with the banks and what bank reserves have to be held has kept money out of the market. There's basically no buyer of the bond market. So there's a few charts that Claire's going to try and share them. Bond market liquidity is basically as bad as it was in the peak of the pandemic when the bond market froze and everyone was worried Citadel had gone under, whoever had gone under. That's how bad the bond market is now. It is completely decoupling from anything. And I'll come on to that in a sec. The next chart, another way of looking at it is bond market volatility. Bond market volatility is higher than stock market volatility. Mm -hmm. This is not normal. And again, we're approaching the peak of the absolute crisis when the entire world shut down and we thought everybody was going to die. Right? That's how bad the situation in the bond market is. What that's done is decoupled the bond market from the underlying inflation story. So this is not a fear of inflation, really, because the Fed is saying we're going to do anything to kill inflation. 
Well, what's happened is the break-evens rate has agreed with that and said, yes, inflation is not the enemy. And break-even inflation, I'm looking at the five years, is at 2.4%, which broke down today. And one year is at 1.95. So they're basically around 2%. So the, the market's saying forward-looking inflation is back to normal. Okay, but the problem is, is if bond deals are going up and inflation expectations are going down, you see this next chart, Claire, which is real rates. Real rates have been trending lower over time. This is five-year real rates. They trend lower because of debt and demographics. So you need to have low real rates to stimulate the economy or run it normally. So the trend rate of real rates is actually negative 1%. But we've just seen the fastest ever rise in real rates in history. So you're raising real rates on people at a time when they can't afford to service their debts because there's too much debt out there. So it's creating chaos in the bond market because the Fed have essentially gone too far with this whole mechanism between how the banks can use their balance sheets plus quantitative tightening plus raising the Fed funds rate. And the market's freaking out. So it's decoupled from the fundamentals as well. So the bond market, Claire, if you bring up the next one, which is the ISM and the bond market are tied at the hip normally. Basically, bond yields go down when economic growth is falling because growth and inflation fall. And that's right. What's happened is bonds are pricing an ISM now in the 60s, high 60s, when the ISM in the next month is going to cross 50. So the ISM is going to be pointing to recession, which we all know is happening from almost every single guest we've had on, yet the bond market is broken. So it's saying the opposite. Now, we've seen a few episodes similar, but this is the furthest um, it's ever been from the business cycle in bond market history. So it tells you there's a massive dislocation that's going on. That dislocation has spilled through to the currency market as well. We've already been noting, you know, dollar yen, right? That was a specific situation because there was yield curve control, so you're printing yen. Then the UK, the UK starts cutting taxes whilst raising rates, and what happens is the currency collapsed. And today, the pound was down three and a half percent. This is in the top five largest currencies in the world, and it's down and more volatile than the Nasdaq. This is extraordinary, but it's not just that. The Eurozone has got the same problems. South Korea, it's a mess. What we've got is a shortage of dollars, something I've talked a lot about, many guests have talked about. There is a global shortage of dollars. The Fed are taking dollars out of the system. And what's happening is the safety valve is the US dollar is skyrocketing. Now, what that also does is export massive amounts of deflation. If you look at the nations who are suffering the most, it's the world's biggest finished goods exporters, China, Japan, Germany, South Korea, Taiwan. They're all seeing massive currency declines. So this is finished goods. This is TVs and computers and chips and all of that stuff. So the US kind of likes it. It also geopolitically, they like it because they exert their power which is the biggest power they've got is the US dollar. 87% of world trade is in US dollars, even though the US is 25% of GDP. But you're choking the entire system. 
If we look at the next chart of Asian currencies, this is the ADXY, less looked at than the DXY. It's a basket of Asian currencies. That is breaking a head and shoulders top of a terrifying magnitude. I don't know what this is telling us, but it's telling us that there is no dollar liquidity in all of Asia. And this is a problem. It's a structural problem, not just a cyclical one that's happening now. So the moves that we're seeing in the bond market and the currency markets are becoming sort of unprecedented, the sort of unprecedented we saw in March 2020. The knock-on effects are things like mortgage rates are exploding still. So it's having a real impact. This is not a financial thing. This is a real thing here. Mm -hmm. It's becoming an enormous problem for people. We're already seeing housing, um, you know, um, house purchases coming down, prices coming down, rents coming down. Um, we're going to start to see unemployment from the housing sector, which is a huge employer of average Americans, for example. Europe is in this huge grip that we know about. My working hypothesis, oh, sorry, and oil broke today as well, which is something I've also been on here and talked about. My working hypothesis was I'm not sure the equity markets are going to make significant new lows, and I'm still not. Um, they may break the low, um, go a bit lower, and then break higher, back higher again, because the sentiment in equities is unparalleled. I'm about to write this in Global Macro Investor. It is the worst sentiment in any measure of any survey in the history of equity markets. So people are record bearish. They're terrified because of what's going on. The bond market, which is the anchor pricing for everything, is unhinged. And the dollar, which is the big daddy of all macro assets, has become untethered as well. So it is a scary situation, but how I look at this is, okay, and I had a great conversation that will come up in uh, next week, I think, with Arthur Hayes from BitMEX. Arthur said, listen, there's two games at play here. One is those guys who want to be Volcker, and they're having their day in the sun. But in the background is a much more powerful group, and that is the politicians. The politicians are the ones that actually set policy. When the politicians decide that economic growth has gone too far, they will change the game. And I believe that. And that's where quantitative easing, direct handouts and other stuff to alleviate the pain that's going on. They can't have mortgage rates like this for very long before unemployment starts coming. And this becomes a big problem for the Biden administration or whichever administration, in whichever country you've got to deal with. So therefore, the propensity for there to be, if this trend continues that we're seeing, for there is a propensity for the market soon to start pricing in, somebody's going to have to step in here, much like they did in 2020. Um, so that is still remains my view, is the politicians will end up pushing the Fed around. I think the Fed have created this by fighting the wrong battle, because the battle they remember was the battle that their heroic hero Paul Volcker fought. It ain't that battle. They're fighting the wrong thing. Um, and so we've got a big problem on our hands. But over the next few weeks, as this pushes to its logical conclusion, you can hear in the background this horse, the horse, the, 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 the people coming to the rescue, because somebody's going to have to do something about this. It may start with changing the reserve requirements of banks. It may be swap lines for the foreign um, central banks. It'll start somewhere and it will grow. But this can't continue for long. 
So it sets up an interesting situation because the the politicians and, and we do see a dichotomy. I think but the politicians are the ones who got the Fed into this inflation mode in the first place, right? I mean, that was front page news when everyone was suffering in the U.S., feeling inflation for the first time, and you had the White House talking about it constantly. And a lot of people felt behind the scenes pushing the Fed to get more aggressive when they were in that transitory state. So. Do you think it'll be after the midterms <coughs> that we see that political pressure switch? I don't know. I mean, there's a feeling that it's pivoting already, maybe, but... Yeah, politics is a narrative game. That's all it is. So where does the narrative lie? The narrative lies with the path of most pain until you're in a situation where you can use optimism. So the path of most pain is what they will focus on because that's what gets votes. So human psychology is anger, resentment, fear tend to get you votes better. So what they will do is, if unemployment starts rising, which I think it will, they will start pivoting to inflation is dead. The new enemy is growth. Jobs for America. Um, you know, we need to help you with your bills, even though bloody all the commodity markets down 50%. We need to do something to help you, or we need to get your mortgage rates down. You know, honest working, hardworking Americans, how can they afford their mortgages? This was the mess that came from the pandemic, but we need to get that down now. We need to get interest rates down. Now we've beaten inflation. You can hear the narrative change. It's easy yeah. to make, right? It's all narrative. So you are thinking that there will be a pivot because we've, you that which would put you in the camp, a, a very contrarian camp, right? Because all we hear from everyone is that the Fed has made it clear that there is no pivot, the pivot is dead that this is this is a new era, this is the new normal for the Fed. Yeah, and I don't believe that. I think people are projecting what they want, not what is. What is, is the Fed have got break-even rates of inflation down to the twos, and if this continues for the next few weeks in the vein that it is, and if oil continues to trade towards 60 bucks, which I've been saying it's going, these break-even rates are going to come down to 1%. So the battle is won. Now, I actually think, and I've said this before on the show, I think actually inflation is negative in 18 months' time. I think they've completely misread the bullwhip. And the bullwhip was post-pandemic, spikes the inflation because everyone comes in the workforce, no supply, overreact to the supply. Yes, they should have raised rates, but not like this. They've misread it. They want to be Volcker. And before they know it, they've destroyed the economy and inflation as well. And they've got their old friend back, deflation. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. So Anthony's asking, why are you saying that it's the worst sentiment you've ever seen? And we do have people pointing out that all, although professionals are, are, have, have sold and are in cash, we haven't seen massive retail redemptions for equities. Do you worry about that, especially if you start so, seeing growth slow substantially? Two things, retail don't matter in the equity markets, never have. And the only retail that does count in the equity markets are the millennials who are 401k dollar cost averaging. They're not selling. Mm -hmm. They're not punters. So that flow is slow. 
But if I look at every single part of the Merrill Lynch survey or the AAII survey or the Institutional Investor Survey, there are all-time record lows, below 2001, below 2008, on every measure. I've never seen anything like it. We have another question from, because um, I'm going to get right to the questions, because this is what we do, right? People are nervous. They've, they've been looking at Twitter, looking at the headlines, looking at the red hours all day. Uh, guns, dogs, and coffee. Do foreign central banks sell to repatriate their U.S. equity positions, a.k.a. tech stocks, to fortify local domestic balance sheets, given QT? There is a theory of the game round, and I'm not sure. I'm sure it's some of it, but I, I haven't seen wholesale ECB selling U.S. bonds. Are the European banks selling U.S. bonds? I don't know. But there is some sort of doom loop. Andreas Steno Larson put something out about the doom loop of currencies. We, we've got that. I think I, we read your mind. Um, I think we've got a little, uh, uh, his, the graphic he tweeted out or, or that he made, and he called it the Forex doom loop, I think, right? Yeah. And that's basically the, uh, the selling of treasury to raise stuff. Then dollar goes up, makes it worse, and you keep repeating it. And that doesn't stop until the Fed offer out swap lines. But the Fed haven't yet realized that they've broken the bond market. So they have to realize that first. So you, we, we, we know that you, you often talk about the chart of truth, right? That's it. So if, if I understand you, it's not the chart of truth right now. Is that correct? The chart of truth. So there's two ways I've been looking at this is one, it's clearly broken out. The question is, is does it go back in? Um, and then just broaden the regression channel over time. My view is yes. I think this is a breakout based on liquidity issues. And I think it actually goes back in the channel. And no, nobody wants to realize that. Have we frozen? No, you're okay. We're kind of all freezing a little bit, but I, the audio is fine. So the, and it's not even the hurricane that's headed toward Raul yet. We're, we're bringing no, a little think it's taste fine. of what that's going to be like, right, Raul? Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think it's my intent that's frozen, actually. But um, so the chart of truth, if I look at it in terms of deviation from trend, uh, this is one of the highest ever. Normally, that should mean that we come, I think we're going to mean revert. And I think we're going to mean revert massively and really fast. Now, again, I've been wrong on bonds for a while now. So you can discount me to zero if you want. And that's fine. I, I, I'll take it on the chin. I honestly think that this is a mean reverting massive decoupling followed by a recoupling that's going to happen at a at a very fast speed as soon as one of these liquidity mechanisms changes whichever one it is yeah which which sets up a scary situation because when things are moving that quickly in markets that are not used to moving that quickly that's where you get issues yeah but i mean don't forget the equity markets i'm looking at the nasdaq's down 30% already i mean what more do people want here yes they want 50% because they want blood Will they get 50%? I doubt it. You know, if we go back to the Volcker era that everyone so loves, is the market was down 27%. If we go back to the 1940s, post-World War II, the market was down 22%. Uh, 1990, nice big regular recession. You know, um, ISM went down to 30. Where did the stock market go? Down 20%. Everyone's convinced, talking themselves into being more and more and more and more bearish. There's a probability, and it's probably, for me, it's probably 30%, 30 or 40% that 
that it makes significant lows, but I think it's 60% more likely that we don't make significant new lows. But let's wait and see. These are, you know, the bond market keeps breaking and we're at 4.5% yields in three weeks' time. Yeah, maybe we will. Mm. Uh, we've been talking a lot and, you know, Weston has been on this. We've been looking at the BOJ and the yen and um, really flagging this early for for members we've seen we've continued to see huge moves and there was a lot of you know people with the intervention this week saying oh hang on a second they're doing yield control curve control and they're intervening uh in the market as well you mentioned asia before what are you watching there how concerned are you about the pressure that's building well the one that i've looked at is the korean one i mean screeching higher um dollar one is going higher so i the, the 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 one is collapsing um, look, the problems are everywhere. I mean, they're literally mm-hmm. everywhere. And the Fed's going, la, 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 I can't hear you. I don't think it's really realized because they're still based on the narrative of we need to fight inflation until they realize they've broken the system. It's like the government's bought the narrative of we need to save the people in 2020. And before they know it, they realize they've broken the system because everything became illiquid. And the Fed had to sort it out. There's somewhere within this something very similar going on here. And it's again, it's not a oh, Rel just wants to see them come back with quantitative easing. I'm like, I think people don't understand the structure of markets with this much debt and the issues you've got. The Fed have never really acknowledged the debts, which is mm. the big thing that they've caused. They've never acknowledged them. It's the elephant in the room. You can't talk about the 1970s and not talk about the massive doubling of debt that's happened since then. You know, again, Americans will never come up and say, they'll talk about the national debt, they'll never talk about the, the total debt. They'll never talk. Nobody really admits that the US is the most indebted country as a percentage of world GDP in all recorded history. No other country has been 100% of world GDP in debt. That's terrifying. And it's not that the US is going to default on its debt. It means it has limited ability to generate growth, inflation, and a stable economy. And that that issue of defaulting on debt, um, Green Avocado is asking, I love some of these names, Green Avocado is asking, do you think any sovereign nations are at risk of defaulting? Not if they're developed nations. The epicenter of this crisis is developed nations right now. Um, And they can't default because they can print their own currency. So, no. Now, can Italian spreads blow out and test the ECB's metal? Yes. I think it's likely to happen. The markets will seek those things out like they did with dollar yen. They want to find out when will the BOJ step in. And the markets will try and find out when the ECB is going to step in with its new mechanism and what does it look like. Yeah, that's what always happens when they set up these these situations and say that they're watching it, then the market is going to find out exactly what that means in the oh. real world. Um, no one's no one's thyself uh, is asking, um, buy bonds, wear diamonds. Is it still a thing or will bond yields, especially long duration, continue to increase? They might in- continue to increase over the next few weeks in this liquidity thing. I'm still long bonds and taking some losses on the chin, significant because it's really moved. But I honestly am 
I still am very strongly of the belief that this is a decoupling based on liquidity situations. And eventually when those things reverse, they're very attractive propositions. So I still like bonds. I understand people uh, don't like taking pain on that stuff, but you know, I am going to look to to double up on my positions at some point. I'm just waiting because when you get to these breakage points, things always go further than you expect. So mm-hmm. where can 10-year bond yields go? I mean, they got to 3.7% yesterday. Can they get to four, four and a quarter, possibly? But, you know, these are crazy opportunities. The Fed has made such oh, a... By the way, that ISM chart gives fair value of bond yields. That's worked for the last 50 years, that chart. Fair value of bond yields, one and a half percent. So we're we're 200 basis points off fair value. And I think the ISM comes down to 35 or 40. So that would put bond yields down at 1% or lower. Are you surprised the ISM is still where it is or has not yeah, moved down more significantly? Yeah, we're seeing it in the surveys again. We saw the Kansas City was pretty bad. Philly's been bad. Um, I think last month we got this bounce. I think the oil patch in the US is going to help because mm-hmm. that is part of the manufacturing. And we've seen this in the past when the oil patch is going flat out. Um, you tend to see more strength than, than you'd imagine for a while. Um, but I do really expect these surveys over the next month or two to utterly collapse. And I've been saying that for a while. Last month was, yeah, previous month was okay. It was fell, then it bounced a bit. I think we've got the the big collapse to come. So we, we, have, we have an interesting question here. Thoughts on countries moving away from the US dollar. This is from Sebastian. What are your thoughts? This is one of those... Given the situation we're in and what you were talking about in terms of sort of weaponizing the dollar, this has come up before. What are you thinking about that? I think that it is unsustainable to have 85% of world trade, um, 87% of world trade in US dollars when 25% of world GDP is US dollars, right? That's the outsized influence it has of having the world's reserve currency. I think China, Russia, Europe, India, South Africa, Brazil, all these commodity exporters, a whole bunch of these people, why do they want the US dollar? They have to, because all commodities are priced in dollars. But if you're a South African exporter, exporting to China, why do you need this middleman currency? It's creating a problem for people, because their funding rates are going up, their economies go up and down. What happens in the US? Not on their own terms. So... I, it only accelerates it, and I've always said the dollar dies of its death, not of its weak, of its strength, not of its yeah. weakness, because yeah. you're going to force people to do something, the, or everyone's going to get together and create a plaza accord. But the US probably doesn't want to do that, so in which case they'll just do their own thing, and it's not going to happen one day to the next. It's not the US dollar collapses in one go, but over time, trade will migrate elsewhere. So I, you know, it's interesting that question came up because we are, so this is, as we've been talking behind the scenes, this is such a pivotal time. You know, you're talking about things breaking. We're talking about um, what happens and the policy responses over the next few months, really setting the scene and setting the table for what is going to play out over the next few years. And so we have a new batch of shows coming called Make or, Make or Break. Um, and geopolitics is one of the drivers that we identified as something that's going to be really crucial, especially because of the things that you're just talking about. 
and we've got energy, inflation. Uh, what is yeah, the other look, one? If you, if you think about this, so the idea behind make, make or Break is to coalesce all of the narratives around what really matters right now. Because what happens over the next three months, which I've been trying to express, is literally going to set the stage for the next three years. Are we going to get inflation? Are we going to get deflation? What is China going to do with this super strong dollar? Is it going to lose control of its currency? Are they going to devalue their currency? Are they going to start trying to get together with other nations and create different currency blocks? What is happening to the Chinese industrial cycle? Can they start picking up credit growth again? This is vital. Geopolitics, well, China fits right in the middle of that. How is geopolitics going to play? Who are the winners? Who are the losers? And energy is stuck between currency, inflation, China, and geopolitics. So these things are all interrelated. They're all incredibly important. And so this make it or break it idea is to help people navigate this time now because it's going to get you to understand where the world is going. And your dogs totally agree with that. It's like the exclamation point on that sentence. That's right. But but it's true. And, you know, for me, I think it's very important that there are a lot of scary... Oh, hold on one sec. Let me close the door on these dogs. <laughs> Make or break, indeed. <laughs> but it is a chorus, isn't it? Of sort of everyone barking about, but it's very alarmist. Like you it's look chaos at chaos here. We got hurricanes coming. I know. Being set it, off. It's sort of it's a it's a manifestation of what we're all feeling, Raoul. Like I we all, I I, we all feel like we're sort of getting ready like for I, the storm. But I in all seriousness, the hurricane app this morning. I thought this is the last bloody thing I need. I, exactly. We thought the same thing. But but when you looked at Twitter, I really did feel like that today. You know, I mean, I saw you know. In fact, somebody in the question just said, we said, what do you, what do you want to know? And they just said, we're all fucked. Like, we're just like, I, and we, just, we just don't want people to give up hope or despair. We want to actually provide value Look, and provide. My, provide my, right? my actual view on this is we are setting up for lots of opportunity. And for me, it's like, I know it's a kind of worn out expression, is, but you should be thinking about a shopping list. If you believe in a future of technology, you should be looking at what you can buy and when. Maybe you're a commodity person. Well, they're being thrown out with the bathwater as well. Maybe you believe in the copper shortage story. Well, you should be getting a shopping list out. There are opportunities that are going to come out of this. If there is any form of settling down of what is going on, it doesn't even have to be stimulus. It just can be things settle down, the Fed slow down, everything's returned to normality, there's money to be made. So. You need to keep a calm head. You need to see what these headwinds are. You need to see the storms when they're coming and prepare for them, like I am, um, the physical storm. And then you need to calmly go about what you do. And a lot of that comes up in the academy about how to do these things. Mm. Um, and I think it's really important to educate yourselves. And if you, you guys, if you're watching this, you haven't joined the academy in Real Vision Plus, you need to do it. It's the best money you'll ever spend. Because times like this is when you need to know what the hell you're doing, and it will help you. It will help you become a better investor, and it's really crucial. Yeah, and I think something that somebody was uh, talking about, you can't, this is, you can't just, we were kind of trained to make your decisions, make your allocations, and then not look at it. In fact, they told you, if it's a bad day, don't look at it. Don't worry. But it, it doesn't feel like we can do that anymore. It doesn't feel like that to me. I mean, I don't want to well, lose what I've tried to build over the last few years. The problem is there's been no offset. Yeah. There's been nowhere to go. Really, 
You'd have had to become a macro investor and stick your money in the dollar. There's been literally nowhere to go. The average person doesn't have a short bonds, and that doesn't feel like it's an easy trade to be done. Shorting equities, well, that's not, that's not been an easy trade. It never is because they're so volatile. So it's been really hard for the average person to know what the hell to do. You know, the answer would have been buy, buy dollars and go to the beach. But people look at me and go, well, how the hell do I buy dollars? What do, what do I do? Yeah. That's why it's so difficult for people. That's why everybody's getting utterly destroyed. Because before you could buy TLT, but you couldn't in this inflationary environment. Yeah. So it's hard. And people have taken the biggest portfolio losses for a very long time because nothing has worked. I mean, every hedge fund I know, some of the macro guys have got like the rates move and knocked it out of the park. Majority, the long, short guys, all of these guys have been murdered. I mean, everybody's been murdered. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, you oh, you just said before you got your bond call wrong, because you but you seem sort of relatively calm about it, Raul, I have to say. Well, because you get stuff wrong all the time. It's part of investing. And, you know, I do an enormous amount of homework on what I do, and I have confidence that the the the, the risk reward and the probabilities get better all the time. It gets more. Shown. I've shown that chart of ISM. That's a chart that's worked not only for fifty years but seventy years. So we're the most dislocated we've ever seen, even including the nineteen seventies um, and um, and that whole period that everybody loves to look back on. We've never seen anything like this. So therefore, you've got to have belief in all the things I look at, all the forward-looking inflation numbers, all the growth numbers that bond yields come down. So, yeah. Nobody likes to lose money, but just give more conviction. So you are, uh, you like bonds. Is it long end? And is it just that? Or are you sort of bonds and crypto? So where where are you right now? Yeah, I haven't changed. So I'm bonds. I've got tens, twos, fives. I've got everything. <laughs> and euro dollars. Um, and I am long crypto. So I've luckily added significantly pretty much at the low so lower than here in ETH and Solana around here um, and some other bits and pieces. And I own some technology stocks, which I bought down 75%. A whole basket, bunch of different ETFs, doing the whole exponential age from gaming to metaverse to AI to robotics to genetic sciences to you know EV, all of these mega big picture themes. So I just bought a very broad basket there, which is a long-term bet, which again, if it sells off any further, and it hasn't made new lows for a long time now since June, I would um, I would add into that. And your time horizon is longer, right? When you're talking yes, about the time stuff. horizon's longer. You know, I was actually talking to somebody today about what would I do in the short term time horizon. I actually don't know. It's pretty mm -hmm. hard. I might sell some oil, but it's really volatile and scary. Um, I don't really. I probably sell some more currency for a bit. Uh, I'm, you know, versus the dollar, because I think the dollar goes higher. But, you know, th those are matters of two-week trades. I, I would be really nervous to be in in any way in most of these kind of trades for longer than two or three weeks, because I feel like we're getting very close to the tipping point, if this continues. Mm. We have uh, Simran asking, what are your thoughts on ETH long-term by, say, 2025? I don't want to give price predictions. Um, I'm just very bullish. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, so Rao, we, we do takeaways at the end. Um, normally I would do it, but you're here so we can both do it. But, but my takeaway from listening to you, I I'm a little not surprised, but, um, interested to hear the optimism or the looking for opportunities in this, because I know you've been tweeting that things are broken and dangerous. And we started out on kind of a, a grim note talking about the fact that the bond market is, you know, dislocating from fundamentals, which sounds like we're setting up for, you know, some something, some scary days here. But you see this as a policy mistake that will be rectified when they're faced with the reality of the fact that the economy is slowing too rapidly for anyone to be able to handle either politically or in the real life. And the Fed is going to force to pivot no matter what, no matter how hard they say they're not. Um, Correct. Throw their so, credibility out the window. Um, and so in that environment, you've got to, you know, look around and get your shopping basket ready and be ready to move, but be careful. That's my takeaway from what you're saying. What, that's what do you a, leave that's exactly with? right. So if I sum them to one thing, the Fed have not yet realized and nor have most market participants, that real rates have to be negative forever. And that's the only way of getting rid of the debt. That is financial repression 101. And it's not just being driven by the Fed. The markets are doing that because of the rate of return. So if real rates are negative, which was the 1940s and 50s too, because they had massive debts after the war, the outcome is actually higher asset prices. And I know people can't stand that, but that's what it is. Yeah, I, so, parts of Twitter, are their heads are going to explode when they hear that. Yeah, and that's what it is. Negative real rates, which nobody likes, but that's how you get rid of the debt, leads to higher asset prices over time anyway, because it forces money. So there's a lot of people who think that the whole trend is reversed forever and rates are going to be higher. I don't believe that, but I understand the point of view. So I'm not saying they're idiots or anything. There's, everybody is trying to figure this out. It's been extraordinary times. I think this has just been a bullwhip from the pandemic and mm. things settle down. We go back to below trend growth and falling inflation. Um, that's the most unpopular view in the world right now. Uh, doesn't really matter because that's a battle for 18 months time. The next 18 months are slowing economies and, and falling prices and opportunity because a pivot has to come. And the pivot doesn't have to be a massive cutting of rates of quantitative easing. It just needs stopping of the rate of change of liquidity tightening. Once that's that's really important. So so because I think when people hear a pivot, they think, okay, we're going to swing right around to quantitative easing again. You're that's important. You're not talking about that. So what does a pivot look like to you? A pivot looks like to me not tightening the balance sheet. So no QT. Rate of change goes to zero. So. You've got a beach ball underwater, particularly with something like crypto or technology, which has adoption models. So over time, they always grow. I mean, you know, things like AI, just relentless. They're not going to stop. EV, not going to stop. Space, not going to stop. All of this stuff. So you, the, the rate of change of liquidity is like a beach ball holding it underwater. So the moment you just take your hands off, it bounces straight through. Now, quantitative easing is the wind that will lift it out of the water further. So a change of we're not going to tighten any further and we're not going to do any QT 
it's going to bring ridiculous relief to markets because markets hate uncertainty. Do you think that could happen by the end of the year or are we talking yes. about a next year? Like, are things just going to just really get ugly before they will admit? Yeah, my view is when you come to what we're really breaking, we're breaking the economy. Now, we'll do it by the bond market and the currency market. And so my view has been for the entire year that they will finish their rate hikes around now. Now, whether they go again, maybe. But if this bond market continues like this, the Fed, you know, the New York Fed desk is going to be calling them up saying, we've got no bond market. Uh, we can't continue. We're going to have to start changing policies. It'll probably happen at the margin first, as I said. It'll happen with the reserve requirements. It'll happen with swap lines. But that's the start of, oh, shit, we've gone too far. And I'm sure if we continue another couple of weeks of this, oh, yeah, the whole narrative is about to change. Are there any casualties on the back of that? Because we've seen before firms go down. You know, I think that's why someone was asking about countries defaulting. I mean, usually those very illiquid periods, especially if they last, don't end with without some sort of casualty. Yeah, remains yet to be seen. Whether it's the Italian government bond market, you know, it probably feels like it's a developed market thing because kind of nobody cares if Sri Lanka goes bust or Pakistan and all of this stuff. I know that I don't mean to sound. Bad, but no, but you you're you're saying that it, it, yeah, I know. It, it's not that it they shouldn't care, but no, meaning yeah. it needs to be something big. Um and it probably happens abroad, it probably happens in Europe. Um but who knows? Who knows? It it might be just Jamie Dimon calling up the Federal Reserve saying, Do you understand what you've done? Mm. Um or it might be the politicians saying what do you mean mortgage rates are at 7% and they've come from 1%? I mean, these things are ludicrous. There does seem to be a sense that things, it's happened so quickly that it you get the feeling when you go out in the real world that people don't realize it's happened. Like it's it's that fast that you don't get the sense that everyone's realized what just happened. No, they haven't, which is why next year you get recession because everyone then goes, Holy shit, I just don't have as much money at the end of every month. What happened? Look at my mortgage went up so much and my electricity bills and and you know my shopping basket and all that. Now, all of that is backwards looking because actually it's all changed because almost all of this has fallen. But the mortgage rates haven't. And that's a that's gonna become the big problem. Um, particularly if house prices start falling and um construction workers get laid off which is going to happen. It's almost impossible for it not to happen. Now, the Fed wants some of this, and that's okay. I can understand they want, wanting, but the politicians won't. We're so over. I got to let you go in a minute, but we didn't even talk about UK, Liz Truss. Everybody trashed that decision, but is she? are they potentially ahead of offering a bunch of government help to individuals who are going to be hurt by the growth, or is it just kind of feeding into the inflationary loop and putting pressure on the BOA? Hard to, hard to sort that one out, but... They got slammed for it in a lot of spaces. Um, well, the Europeans have done similar, and some of the U.S. states have given handouts. California, yeah. But the, the U.K.'s done it kind of writ large, and they've gone for it, and the outcome is a collapse in the currency. Uh, now, so if everybody does it, that's a debasement of currency, and asset prices go up. 
it's the US is not doing it yet in any meaningful scale. So the US dollar is so strong. If the US came out and said, we're going to do the same as the UK, what happens? Does the dollar fall or rise? I don't know. Probably falls. But then if everybody's devaluing their currency at the same time, you have to revalue against something and that ends up being assets. Sorry, that's my messaging beeping in the background. That's someone saying, get off the Zoom. (laughs) Get off the Zoom and get ready for hurricane preparations. I I know, I can tell. Um, No, Rao, it was great for you to stay a little extra with us today because I I think it's an important day. And like we said, we're going to sort of launch all these new shows to try to help guide Yeah, there's an enormous amount coming out of Real Vision, and I can't stress it enough. And you'll hear announcements about this and something really amazing about pricing as well that's coming out. But we're retooling all of the content with the essential ticket, keeping what's amazing, adding massive amounts of new value, um, and no new cost. We kind of inflation busting is what we're after. So we've, <laughs> I'm going to stop you there, Raul, because there's going to be more I always information. Get told off for giving away too much, but anyway, <laughs> there's going to be more information on Monday. Extraordinary the- amount of stuff coming. That's right. And the goal is to just not drop scary headlines on everyone, but to try to give you as much information as we're getting, as Raul's getting from everyone and from the experts that we talk to, to try to help guide us through it, but bring everybody along too, because it's really important. It's a really important time. So super excited about it. Raul, wishing you the best of luck over the weekend um, with the hurricane that's headed your way. I know it's Uh tough. We've got guys delivering sandbags outside, sandbagging the garage. Yeah. Luckily, it's not too big a one. So let's keep our fingers crossed we don't lose the entire garden, which is beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Uh, let, let's hope so. Um, but we'll we'll catch you um, in all the new programming after that. And thanks to all of you uh, for spending time with us. We appreciate it. Take care and good luck out there. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.